Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Sponsored by Dext. With Rob Brown and Martin Bissett. Welcome to the Success in Accounting podcast. Rob Brown here on the road and I'm in North Carolina in Winston-Salem and I'm thrilled to have with me today in person Laurie Kelly, Managing Partner at BRC. Hello to you, Laurie. Hi, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here today. Now, we are in person and we're in your beautiful offices here. For people that don't know BRC, tell us a little bit about the firm, Laurie. Sure. Uh, Full name is Bernard Robinson and Company, but we refer to ourselves now as BRC. We'll be celebrating our 75th anniversary this year, so it's really fortuitous that you're here today. Um, We are in our third generation. We're we're a bit of an anomaly in that we've been able to transition leadership now to, um, starting last year, to the third generation. So we are a full-service accounting firm, meaning we do tax, assurance, and we have a number of consulting service lines as well. And for our international audience, Big firm, small firm, top 100, top 50. Give us a feel of the scale and where you fit in. We're in the top 200. I think we're around 176, I believe, with the new. Is that important here? It is. It is. I think it it puts you in a different group and and you have more resources. You have the ability to um, be more full service. Mm. So I really do think it, it means something. Have you always been ambitious? You're managing partner here now, aren't you? I am, starting last year. Yes. Did you want to be as when you started out in your career? Take us back a no. Bit. Oh my goodness, no. Uh, we were we were uh, talking earlier that accounting wasn't even you know what I had in mind necessarily. It was like I decided that that wasn't the path I wanted to take, and accounting really fit. You know, like most people, it just made sense. It's a beautiful system of debits and credits, and everything needs to balance. It's Black like a puzzle. White. Exactly, yeah. it's beautiful. Um, so I um, graduated from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, um, just up the road, and uh, started my first job at not a big four, but larger national firm. Um, and I was there for eight years. And you know, like what you just asked me, did I ever see myself becoming managing partner? Absolutely not. No. When I started, I was like, I don't even see myself as a manager, right? You, you grow into the role. Um, so I was there for eight years. And then, you know, my life changed with, you know, having a a baby and life priorities change. And I couldn't do the hours that I was doing. And there um, was less flexibility with where I was working to to accommodate that. Mm. So that's when I found BRC. And I've been here for 15 years. And it's it's a great family atmosphere. Well, you're bringing up a lot already. Babies, yes. women, women yes. in accounting. We know from research that there are more females now in the accounting profession than males. That start anyway. 53 to 47 percent. Right. But in leadership roles, in positions of responsibility, mm-hmm. we know that women are underrepresented there. So as you were coming up through the ranks, did you have role models for I, leadership? I did here at BRC. Okay. Um, and it was really what attracted me to our firm was their understanding and and desire Um, it was okay that I wanted to come on on a 90% work schedule and Mm -hmm. I wanted to have Fridays off after busy season because that would have been unheard of back in the day absolutely absolutely still to a certain degree it Mm -hmm. it is a a bit taboo but hopefully we're we're changing those those opinions 
but I'm very proud of the fact that I became a partner on a 90% schedule. Right. You know, I'm obviously not now, but I'm in a season now of my life where, you know, my son is 15 years old and he does his own thing. So it's, you know, not that urgent that I be home, you know, when the school bus comes. Mm -hmm. So it really boils down to flexibility. And when you don't offer flexibility, you're going to lose, you know, your workforce to other alternatives, whether they decide that they want to be stay-at-home moms or go, you know, part-time or, or seasonal. So um, it has always been, and I, and I credit the second generation here of leadership at BRC that was really ahead of their time. It was uh, leadership of Pat Price, who was our managing partner for 20 years. She, she was ahead of her time being okay. a managing partner. Um, Freddie Robinson and, and Dan Hayes of really embracing alternative work schedules and having it be okay with whatever you're willing to give. We will take that until you, you know, hit a season where you can devote more. Yeah. And we're really enjoying the fruits of that now. We have a number of partners who were seasonal and now, you know, are full time and became partners from it. Our CEO is a great example. She actually was a partner with us. She had three children in pretty quick succession, so she had to be a stay-at-home mom for a while. Then she came back seasonally once they were all in school, and now she's our CEO. It's really fabulous. When you, when you give grace to people in their seasons, um, how that pays off in the long run for the health and longevity of the firm. Let's talk about the age that we're in where diversity, equity, inclusion, they're very much top of the agenda, but back in the day, women just got the vote, they were allowed into golf clubs, they were allowed to play soccer, and, right. and the world started changing. You are a firm that sees that having women in leadership positions is good for the firm, good for the growth, good for the clients. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And and attracting talent. Okay. You know, where where a lot of our fellow firms in our network, you know, have 20, 30% attrition with a great resignation. Mm. You know, we're sitting at 12 to 15, which is uncomfortably high for us, but low relative. Um, and we're attracting talent because we have offered a um, what we call a new normal schedule once we came back from COVID where we're very open-minded about hybrid remote or in the office schedules we believe that one size fits one so we tailor it to the individual um, that we're attracting talent now all over the United States. That's such a key issue because when you ask firms these days what's the biggest challenge to growth it's not winning new business winning new clients mm -hmm. but it's providing the capacity, exactly. the, the human capital, if you like, exactly. to drive that growth. Exactly, exactly. And we've been very fortunate, not to say that, you know, we don't have our struggles. Yeah, we, we have positions that, yeah. that we're having a hard time finding, finding the, the Well, how many folks people for work for BRC? I think we're hitting 200 now across seven offices, all in North Carolina. But we have remote workers now, we, Wisconsin and Colorado, hopefully. Mm -hmm. I'm having an interview, final interview with somebody out of Phoenix, Arizona. But you might never meet them. No, and that's totally fine. One interesting thing about BRC and what makes us, one of the guiding factors that make us so unique is that we don't judge our partners on our book of business. It's what you offer to the firm as a whole. The extension of that is we also don't judge our offices on their book of business. We all rise and fall together. Okay. So because of that, it is not unusual. I, I work on a very large client 
and I literally have staff spread all over the offices. It's matching that right staff person to the client. So the manager that I have on that job is out of our Raleigh office. I might physically see him four times a year, but we talk every day. You know, we're on, on Teams, Microsoft Teams. We instant message. We're talking all the time with each other. So location, it doesn't matter. No. You make the relationships as long as you're intentional about making the relationships. I don't have to be physically sitting across from you to make that relationship or to make you feel the culture and make you feel included in the firm as a value team member. So Laurie, you're managing partner of seven offices across the whole firm here. When we talk about culture, how difficult or easy is it to drive culture with remote working? And I would say not just remote workers, but across the offices too, because each office has its own culture. So I feel like we kind of already had some experience with that before right. COVID and before people went remote and that became a more normal part of the experience here. There's no silver bullet. It's just really being intentional. What really helped for us to maintain connectivity and relationships, because that's really what it's about, that family relationship feel, was right before COVID, and it was just dumb luck, that we divided our um, whole firm into, for the time, it was scheduling teams because it was too hard to manage 200 people. And especially since we don't judge based on office or partner book of business, everybody works for everybody, right? So we divided everybody into scheduling teams of anywhere from five to 10 people. And at the time, the intent was strictly for scheduling purposes, right? And then you'd have a team leader and the team leaders get together and and discuss capacity and move things around so on and so forth. But when COVID happened, those scheduling teams became so vital to making sure that our people were okay. You got a jump on COVID, didn't you? We did, and it was just dumb luck. Yeah. Um, but we were so fortunate that we were able to keep the pulse on everybody, making sure everybody was okay, making sure they had the resources that they need to continue doing their job. And those teams have grown from just scheduling to really being teams you might work for other teams yeah. other people on different teams but that's your home base and you're there to support each other and they do fun games online they occasionally get together physically we fly our remote people in from wherever they might be we have annual meeting days we have you know the holiday parties mm-hmm. um, we're very intentional we're also very intentional about using teams and instant messaging and blog boards and you know, just like Amy, you know, just getting married, she's our receptionist here in Winston, posted her wedding picture. So we all get to celebrate as a firm her getting married. So it's, it as we're spread out, as we're larger, as we get bigger, still maintaining that you're not just a number, you're an individual. And that's so important. We know our, our friends, our friends because they're friends, um, our team members' kids' names and, and what their passions are. So it's really just that human connectivity that our people aren't robots, right? They're not here to nail out 65 hours a week during busy season of chargeable work. They're people. They have feelings. They, um, you know, they go through things in life and we're there to support each other. So if you were hiring me, what kind of questions would you ask me to check whether I fitted the BRC values? Very good question. And we really don't have a formal interview structure it is a conversation like what we're having right now and judging how you feel about some of these different concepts that 
make BRCs so different, how, how you feel about them mm-hmm. and the questions that you ask as a result of those, that information. Mm-hmm. So it's very much conversational and you can get a sense pretty darn quickly you know, um, what that person values. I will also say that we are not the place um, if you, the sky's the limit as to how much you want to make, we're not the highest paying firm out there. I, I tell anybody, you need to figure out what your personal life, having a life, what value that is to you personally, and that there's no wrong answer to that. But once you put a conceptual value on that, then BRC might make sense. Well, we hear of accounting professionals that chase the dollar. They want the money, but there's a right. price to be extracted from Exactly, that, and some people, that's totally fine. That's what they want out of life. Yeah. That's totally fine. The typical BRC team member, what they do professionally is not their life. They want to be there when their kids get off the school bus. They mm. want to be at the soccer games. They don't want to be afraid if they're, if they're not sitting in their seat by 8.30 in the morning or staying past 6 o'clock at night. No, yeah. not here. And it's become good HR practice now to, when you're hiring people, ask them what their interests are outside work. Because if they say, well, work's it for me, yeah. this is all I do. You know that when the work goes, their whole life goes down with them. So you exactly. want to know that they're engaged outside professional exactly. life. Exactly. And they're just more well-balanced people and more relatable to the client. They're happier individuals with the client. Mm. So, and that, and that ultimately is, is the goal at BRC, is to serve your clients and serve them well. I don't care where you do it. Mm-hmm. As long as those clients are getting served, we're good. So as a remote employee, you would be able to check how profitable I am, how productive I am, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing your culture wouldn't micromanage that. Not at all. We have certain parameters to be a remote employee or even a hybrid employee. And those parameters, they're just goalposts. You know, we, we want a specific, not just charge hour range, but specific firm productive range because there's a lot of good things that you can do for the firm as a whole. A great example in U.S. taxation is this new Schedule K2, K3 training. We want to incentivize people to do things like that even though it doesn't have a charge hour component to it. So we give them their goals for the year. We also say if you are going to be working remotely, we would like for instance, 75% of your work day to be within the normal work hour ranges. Um, We want you to have a reasonable setup free of distractions. We'll provide you um, the equipment, even if you're a hybrid employee and you have equipment here in the office, we also will provide you equipment for your home office as well. So we want to make it really conducive that you're really productive when you're working remote or hybrid. And um, it's amazing what people will do when you trust them and when you instill this is what the expectation is. Nine times out of ten, people will meet those goals. And you deal with the one-tenth in, in, in a different way. And But you don't, term that we have here, throw out the baby with the bathwater. You still do it. You just know that it's going to take a little bit of management for that you know 10% that may not do what they're supposed to be doing. Well, we're not videoing this, but our audience will gather you a softly spoken lady. You, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all great. You're, you're very passionate. You seem mild-mannered and nothing much ruffles you. But there will be times, you talk about that tenth, where you will need to carry a big stick or will need to play it harder with some right. tough love. Right. And, and we do that with you know performance improvement plans. 
And also, once you write it down, have a conversation with them, we have such a great success record with our performance improvement plans. Most of those do not end in termination. Most of them turn it around and really become really great employees. So it's just, it's meeting them where they are. Some are young and don't know how to function in a professional manner and just need that coaching, need that guidance. So um, by no means is it in any way, they're difficult conversations, but they're much needed and usually with treated with respect. It's, 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 the criticism is openly accepted and things change. We hear a lot about employer brand these days. Mm. To what degree are you attractive to the talent that's out there? And you're saying right. pretty much that you don't have a problem with that. If I were to ask all 200 employees of BRC, mm-hmm. what does it mean to work here? Would I get 210 different answers or would you want them to be all on brand, on message with the Mm-mm. same values? No, because I think it's different for every person. And that's when we we recognize that and when we design people's schedules, it's one size fits one. I, I'd like to think that the universal answer that you're going to get is that I'm respected, okay. that I... Common threads. Yes, that I'm appreciated for what I bring to the table. I'm by no means a number. And um, we have the utmost flexibility and trust in our team members. I think that was the biggest thing for me when I came from the, the larger national firm is the amount of faith and trust that we give our employees is quite astounding. But typically they rise to the occasion. Well, we hear nightmares about the billable hour and chargeable hours and you've got to charge this and fill in your timesheets and, and do all this. You shaking your head there. What's your things like that? <laughs> so because you do need to account for your time. We do because we. I mean, those are our widgets, right? Yeah. That's our work in progress. Yeah. Uh, time is is our inventory, and um, up until the new normal, we did not give our employees any charge hour goals or ranges or anything. Wow. It, it's up to us to bring in the work, make sure that they have something to work on. And very often, if people are not meeting certain expectations, there's a performance issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a matter of of them um, not being able to meet some charge hour goal. It's it's usually something way deeper than that. Um, when we did the new normal, we did add ranges, and we still say that that is more, especially with the millennials and the Gen X or Gen Zs is they want, they want to know if they're doing what they need to be doing in the firm to be successful. So we give them ranges. Yeah. And they're very wide ranges, and I will say those ranges are much less than the other firms out there what their charge hour goals are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about your leadership style, Laurie. We talk to leaders on this show that some are disruptive and uh, they will agitate and they will uh, ruffle feathers and they will push people. Others are more conciliatory and arm around the shoulder and hugging and things like that. And some are a bit of both. How would you describe your style? Oh, that's a great question. I've never been asked that before. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, Public accounting is unique in that it really is collaborative. The managing partner isn't the king or queen, right? Um, You really have to be able to be successful in this role um, you have to be collaborative and you have to get your partners to buy into where you want to go, right? You all have to be 
paddling in the same direction to be successful. So I think it's a little bit of both. Um, one thing that I'm so grateful that I did when I became managing partner last year was to get a coach. And the coach that I found was actually a retired managing partner from an accounting firm in the Atlanta area. So he really understood how accounting firms worked. He knows what my challenges are. He's been in the industry for all his career. He's also been really instrumental in running our partner retreats that we have on a yearly basis and really building out um, where the firm wants to go for the next 75 years. It's highly recommended. It, it's especially as a managing partner you can't talk to your partners about the challenges that you have right because you don't want to throw one of your other partners under the bus so to have somebody outside the firm that you can talk through issues with and and, and come to some game plans is really invaluable that makes sense and <clears throat> I'm impressed at your level of coachability because when we look at CPAs accountants is a breed technically super smart, qualifications coming out of their ears, and they're very good at keeping up with the CPD, the CPE, and taking care of the technical stuff. But in terms of being coachable with the softer side, the leadership skills, the management skills, the people skills, the business development and growth skills, even the technological skills, for many that's discretionary. That's, look, I've got here, I've done all my hard work, I'm now just gonna do the technical stuff and that will do me fine. But if the managing partner is taking on a coach yeah, and showing that you want to be better today than you were yesterday, then that sets culture, doesn't it? It really does. And we've had two other um, folks in our leadership group have taken on coaches. Right. So it's really great. It's not that you're doing something wrong. It's, it's to support you and to widen your viewpoint on things. So Tell us what you think a CPA, an accountant, needs in terms of skills and attributes to stay relevant and competitive in the world we find ourselves today. Being willing to embrace change, hands down. It's just Accountants are not known for their agility. No, <laughs> not at all, not at all. We, we, we despise change, but especially the past two years has taught us that it's necessary and it really, it kind of makes life more fun when you, when you have, you know, the sky's the limit in front of you on how you can guide and change uh, what it means to be in public accounting. We're in a very exciting time. It's a mm -hmm. scary time, but it's very exciting in that you can really change the narrative of what it means to be an accountant um, and, and hopefully attract more to the profession. We need that. I do want to come to that, but just on that point, if you are willing to learn new skills and take on new ways of being it, a lot of people we've had on the show have been surprised at how adaptable accountants have been in adjusting to COVID and being willing to take on new skills like remote working and like getting in front exactly. of a camera and exactly. speaking rather than let's get face to face and face and meet people like we've always done. So exactly. it must have been pleasantly surprising for you in the way you people have taken on the new world. It really has been. And I really felt like we were really well positioned to be able to pivot because we were already with our seven offices and being still one firm, not pillar offices, working with each other in a remote environment. It was really seamless. And we saw how well that went, the partner group has. So they're really open-minded when it came to the, the new initiative last year of the new normal. They were like, okay, let's give it a try. So you talk about ability to deal with change as being a primary requisite for staying relevant and competitive. Anything else that professionals of today need to stay in the game? 
just focusing on your clients. The most important client that you have is the one you already have, right? Service the heck out of them. (laughs) And word of mouth will, will, will fix any problem going forward as it relates to growth and getting, creating new clients. Um, that's what we have built our brand on is really serving our clients and serving them well, giving them not only options, but this is what I would do if I was in your shoes. You mentioned growth a couple of times now. A lot of accountants will say that our focus of the last couple of years has been retaining what we've got, keeping the lights on, keeping the clients that we've got and keeping them happy. But you've got growth very much on your mind. Mm-hmm. Let's not just service what we've got, but let's get more out of what we've got. So that would speak to advisory services Absolutely. beyond the compliance. But that would also speak to word of mouth, as you say, and referrals and exactly. taking business from your competition. Exactly, exactly. If you're not growing and you're just staying stagnant in public accounting, you're dying. You're not going to be attracted to the talent. The talent wants to see that they have growth opportunities and they too can become a partner at the firm. So the only way to make that happen is growth. Talk to us a little bit about DFK. You're a Mm -hmm. member of something bigger than yourself. For people that don't know, talk about DFK and why you join, what that means to the firm. So DFK, we joined, my goodness, time flies, I want to say 15, 16 years ago, and um, it's not as large in the United States, is my understanding, as it is globally. Um, I think there is about 30 firms in the United States. The most that we get out of it, it's really fabulous from a practice development standpoint. The managing partners, for instance, meet twice a year in round tables where what's talked about in the room stays in the room Mm -hmm. and you really share what's going on in your firm and the challenges that you face and you have this wealth of of knowledge around the table and experience to kind of give you some informal coaching of have you thought about this or have you tried this so from that perspective it has been fabulous Um, it's also been great for our emerging leaders the programs that they have and training that they have Obviously, the big takeaway is just the exchange of knowledge. If, if I have a client, for instance, that has an inventory across the country, I can reach out to one of our DFK affiliates. Or if I have an international tax issue that we can't handle internally, I know that my, my DFK firms will, will be of assistance to us. Mm-hmm. And the worldwide network, you know, we're really, the world is not very big anymore. And a lot of our clients have worldwide operations or worldwide touches. So it's really nice to be able to, um, you know, reach out to uh, a firm in Kenya because our client is living there um, as a consultant and needs some help. Yeah. So. Shout out to Martin Sharp, who was running DFK for yes, many years. He got a recent great. Lifetime Achievement Award from the International Accounting Forum and Bulletin. And Bill Wright is now in charge, yes. so he's continuing yes. the legacy. But you're right. It is so important to be able to peer over the garden wall yes. see what other firms are doing to know that it's not just you struggling with something you're and not you alone need peers, don't you? You, it's Laurie Kelly. exactly you're not alone with these things and that in and of itself is very comforting yeah talk to us about the future for you for dfk we stray into the realm of legacy there when Laurie Kelly's gone oh my goodness well I'm, I'm only 46 sure. so hopefully that will be a while <laughs> and you look a lot younger thank Honestly, you an easy job. <laughs> I don't know I don't know um, I love BRC I love serving clients I love serving my partners um, so you know I, I work for the pleasure of them 
And um, when that day comes to an end, I hopefully will continue to work for my clients. And then I don't know. I, you know, my, I, I've caused a lot of consternation with my coach because he's like, so what's your main goal, right? What's your main goal? And I'm like, I became managing partner. I'm not really sure, John. I'm not sure what the next thing will be. But you would get closer to an answer to that by answering the question, what would need to happen for the success of your tenure to be to your satisfaction? Stay independent. We don't want to be merger candidate. We're, we're so unique and we're so, I will say, ferociously protective of our culture because we have something different here. I don't want to be a merger candidate. And the only way to not become a merger candidate is growth. That's well, what it boils down to. too big or too small to be merged. Well, that's true from what we've that. seen. Yeah, yes. that's what we've seen. But it, you have a fighting chance as long as you're growing. Okay. So continue to grow, continue to provide opportunities, grow beyond North Carolina. Um, one of our... Um, main areas of, of focus about a third of our practice is in affordable housing here in the United States and we've I think become a national leader in that I'm very mm-hmm. proud of that so continuing growing that area too on a more um, fully national level and um, see where it takes us and as a woman in accounting do you feel like you're fighting the fight or banging a feminist drummer or is it not even an issue that you're a woman in accounting that's a great question and at brc it's such a non-thing right but i'm always really taken back when i'm at conferences and i'm like oh that's what it's like out here Mm. huh um i'm kind of in my my safe little cocoon here at brc and yeah it, it exists out there that's why we need to promote women, have the flexibility so that we're not a minority in a managing partner or partner conference, that, that we're more equally represented to what is being brought in at so the lower levels. Talk to us about the best pieces of career advice that you've been given by mentors, advocates, champions along the way, male or female, that has right. helped you get to where you are. Be perpetually curious, ask questions. That would be the main thing. Also, don't worry about what your peers are doing. Just concentrate on you and your growth and making yourself a better person. And things will work out, whether that be a better person or better professional or better tax preparer. Just focus on you. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. And finish with some words of hope, Laurie, for us, for the younger accountants listening, male or female, that are in firms that are perhaps not as progressive and open as BRC, but they want to make their mark. They don't see people like them higher up, so they're not represented. They don't perhaps have the voice that they want, the influence that they want. Maybe they haven't got their hands on the steering wheel of their own career to the degree that they would like to. Mm-hmm. Would you say to them, get out? Or would you say something else to change things oh, from within? That's a great question because I, I feel like a hypocritical if I say don't get out, because that's what I did, right? Well, I, I got out because it wasn't, I, I couldn't, you know, I felt like I was the best tax manager I could be, but that didn't change the fact that they weren't uncompromising on flexibility, right? So I think it really depends on the individual and, and how open your group above you of leadership is and have the conversation, engage it. And if it doesn't work out, find somewhere that does embrace you. And not to put an answer in your mouth, but I guess seek out 
one or two champions or advocates that would have Always. you back and would open a door for you. Absolutely. And, and bang I a th- drum for you. Exactly. But you know, I think first you need to establish your own credibility. So okay. so really concentrate on building your skill set and being the best professional possible so you come in with that credibility. Well Laurie Kelly, managing partner of Bernard Robinson and company BRC, that's been a thrill to talk to you today. Thank you so much for your passion and your insights. Rob, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Accounting Influencers Broadcast Network presents Success in Accounting. Improve your practice while decreasing how hard you work to make your firm really fly, really fly.